It's no secret that veterinary clinics are struggling with overwhelming demand. This week, we want to talk about what you can do in general practice to help bridge the gap between emergency, urgent care, and routine. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine and... A tough topic is how do we deal with the increased demand for our services? In fact, most clinics are just drowning in excess appointments. They've got clients waiting for weeks or months. They've got people showing up and sitting in the lobby for hours. How can we manage this? How can we get through? This week, we want to talk about some of the strategies that we are finding helpful across the country. But before we get into all of those strategies, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, it seems like this story isn't slowing down. I mean, I thought by now, as we entered into the latter half of 2022, that maybe things would shake out and sort of normalize, but that's not what I'm hearing. How about you? Well, right. I mean, we just did this podcast saying, like, careful, everything's going to swing. And we are worried about that. But in the meantime... Our listeners are like, yeah, we can't wait because <laughs> our emergency clinics not taking new patients or our emergency clinics are are overwhelmed. Our clients, you know, can't get seen. I mean, people are really, um, I mean, this is really actually a little bit on the scary side, but they're they're just flustered. Right. And again, viewfinders, yeah, I want to be clear. We did a podcast a couple of weeks back where we talked about, are you prepared for the potential recession that everybody's talking about? And, and we talked about how quickly these things flip. We understand, and we got a lot of good feedback kind of saying, like Becky said, like, well, I can't wait for that to happen. Well, actually, we don't want that to happen. But regardless, we know that right now we're still in the crunch. And so we want to talk about like what what can we do in general practice to to help bridge that gap between like you know those people that are doing walk-ins or just calling us saying my dog is itching or has diarrhea i mean are we just sending them to the emergency clinic because becky that's not working we're we're still hearing so much of that that we really wanted to talk about what you could do simply maybe to try to help ease some of that pain it's funny you know i think this is an area where we shadow human medicine right and it's like this Human medicine has solutions for this, and they're called urgent care visits and, right. you know, urgent care centers. Um, there are branches off of emergency centers that are for less urgent visits, right? And then we have ambulatory services for those that need to, to get right in when they're triaged. And so I feel like there is a chance that we are or need to shadow human medicine in this sense. And I think... For me, one of the biggest things I think is a is a gap in our area is the urgent care appointments, the urgent care facilities. Right. And so sometimes viewfinders, you know, it's how we allocate our human resources. And I hate that terminology, but how we allocate our doctors and veterinary technicians and even CSRs and managers, right? So where are we deploying them in our appointment scheme? And so I think traditional thinking and how we've done it historically is that, okay, we take appointments and everybody is kind of fielding that, right? So you go and deal with appointments, or maybe you deal with surgery, or maybe you deal with in-house treatments, right? But that's kind of the confines of where we go. And what Becky is proposing is, well, maybe you take a little subset of your team and just say, you know what, you guys, at least for this day or this half a day or whatever, you're only going to be doing maybe urgent care and and almost a walk-in type capacity. So sometimes I think, Becky, it's just how we view and utilize our team that makes all the difference. It doesn't mean that we 
hire more people or or even you know change the way we schedule necessarily. It's just what are we what resources are we devoting to fulfill it? I mean, right. I think if if you look at your schedule and you or you look at your phone calls, you look at your intake, right? If if there's a demand, if you're getting five, 10 phone calls a day that needs to be seen that day or the very next, then there probably is room for you to consider how your staff is being utilized. And right. I know we say this all the time, right? But you probably, if I would suspect that the majority of clinics could utilize their technicians in a more efficient way to free up a veterinarian that would be able to knock out some of these appointments, see some of these appointments. I think, like you said, this is where telemedicine or tele-triaging can come in um, and decide if it is urgent. But I think we could cater to these guys if we really started looking at some data. Right. And I want to get back to that tele or remote uh, health aspect, Becky, in just a second. But I think also viewfinders, it's a matter of setting expectations for your team as well. And so one of the things that's most frustrating in general practice is you show up, right? The day before you look at the schedule and, oh, you've got a bunch of puppy visits, right? Or you've got a couple of spays and neuters. It looks like a pretty you know chill day or whatever. And then you show up and it's emergency 555, right? right? And so that then sets you up towards this internal stress and anxiety and because your expectations were one thing and then suddenly it's another. And this is where perspective, I think, becomes important, Becky, because let's say that you were assigned to work on the quote-unquote urgent care, for lack of a better term. Well, then you go in saying, okay, I expect a wide variety of whatevers, right? As opposed to being blindsided or somehow, you know, hip-checked by this other, you know, unknown entity. I hope that made a little bit of sense. Well, it makes sense. And I'm like, I would use different wording because I'm like, for me, you're not blindsided. You're like, oh, shocker. Look, here's an emergency (laughs) that we weren't prepared for, that we don't have a team member to cover that's going to screw us up for the rest of the day, right? So for me, it's sort of one of those things where it's like so predictable. Why don't we find a way? It, it, It is truly almost insanity, right? Because it becomes so predictable that you can you can put money on it that this is what's going to happen. So again, we don't have a, an SOP or we're not prepared for it. So it ends up being kind of something that takes an emotional, mental, or even just time toll on the clinic. Whereas I think we could be more prepared and say, okay, since we know this is going to happen, here's what we can do. Right. And Becky just said something a, a second ago that I want to revisit because it's looking at the data. And so I think viewfinders, this conversation has to originate if you pulled your records, you know, you looked at your appointment schedules for the past couple of weeks and you saw that every day you saw like four emergency type things, right? And again, we're not talking about like gunshots and hit by cars. We're talking about like, you know, the person who just showed up with an itchy ear, right? Or whatever. So if if you see, if you collect that kind of data, that tells you that the demand is there, right? It, it's already happening. So now you can shift your perspective and maybe reallocate your team to make, to handle it more efficiently. I think, Becky, that's really all we're trying to say here is that if the data supports that you're already seeing it, then you need to try to correct it or help as much as possible. Uh, yes, I think so. And, you know, it makes me think too about, and, and it, I'm not trying to take a hard left here, but while you were talking, I was thinking about how your clients expect this. Like if I am sick and and I wake up this morning and I'm super sick, I'm going to call my, my regular doctor first and I'm going to say, hey, and they have a certain number of appointments set aside for that day if you really, really need to be seen. And then outside of that, I'm going to go to an urgent care, right? Like, there, there is ways to handle this and I'm going to look for that guidance from my regular physician. And so 
that is the mentality our clients are coming into our clinics with. And what I see happening is that they're just getting turned away with like, oh, well, we, we can't help you when I have availability. And then people are like, what do I do? And like, yeah, the itchy ear, I'm not, I'm not like um, splitting hairs with you, but I'm like, you know, my, <laughs> my personal nemesis, the broken toenail, right, you can't right. leave that little daddy hanging off of there until three, four, five, six days. till you can be seen. There's no emergency clinic in the world that should have to handle that. Right. Right. But here we are. The dog needs to be treated. I am physically incapable of handling that nail because you know, it, it's, it's my biggest TBGB. And then where do I go? I expect my general practitioner to handle that. Yeah. Agreed. Now, one thing too, viewfinders is we've got a legacy. The, the past 40, 50 years of small animal practice has been able to accommodate these clients' last-minute requests. So if you go back and you look 10 years ago and you say, okay, how long do I have to wait to get an appointment with my veterinarian? It was same-day service. And so we've literally got an entire generation of pet parents who are used to this, right? And then suddenly... COVID hits and a wide variety of factors hit our marketplace and our industry and profession, and suddenly we can't accommodate them. So I think that's where the initial bit of friction occurs, right, Becky? I mean, they're like, yeah. well, you know, you used to always be able to do this. Why can't you do it now? I'm not saying it was right or wrong. It just was. And so suddenly now that equation is you've got to wait weeks. And and the biggest complaint I hear from pet parents in my area, Becky, are they're going, you know, it was never like this, Dr. Ward, at your clinic. And it's like, well, yeah. that's because it was a completely different time, but they, irregardless of the facts, you know, they're like saying, why can't it be that way again? And Becky, I'm starting now to get concerned that it'll never go back to the way it was same day. Well, I don't think it will, right? Like we, we, we talk about like, quote unquote, new normal, right? And like, that's it. It it, it isn't going to go back. And that's why we need to move forward. That's why we need to find new solutions because we have to get to a point where we understand and accept Maybe there will be a recession. Maybe there is some reduction of pets. But if you're at a point right now where you can't accept new patients, I wouldn't expect your schedule to clear so much that you could suddenly accommodate everything that needs to be seen. So I still think that strategies need to happen and that we need to possibly work together. I mean, like I think about Wilmington and there's so many veterinarians and it's like, how could we unite and work together to make sure clients are seen and taken care of? Um it's almost like it's not proprietary, right? At this point, there there's a medical need and there's room for everybody. Right, right. Yeah, it is remarkable because uh, I know uh, my daughters were having to get some appointments. They're on summer break from college. And one of the, the specialists that they needed to see, you know, couldn't take them for like, you know, two or three months or whatever. And at the the instant that they said, you know, well, it'll be October, <laughs> you know, we'll back, be back in school. They instantly said, well, have you tried Dr. Such and Such or Such and Such? So they didn't, it didn't sound competitive, right? I mean, they weren't like in this era of they're going, oh, you know, you can only come to us. They were like quickly giving us other options. And one of the options did work out for us. You know what I'm saying, Becky? It's like, that's part of that collaboration within a community. I think you're, you're, you're seeking. Yeah, well, exactly. Right. Because to me, it's like, I, that doesn't mean I'm not going to call you next time I need to be seen and want to get back on my regular schedule with you. Um, and, and I think it, this is it. It's at this point, if I can't help you, then I have to accept that someone else is going to have to, you know, and I'm even seeing more of these walk-in only clinics popping up in more and more locations where there are no appointments. We're just here to be, If whether it's you need vaccines and you woke up this morning and you had time off work, you could do it. 
that itchy ear, that broken nail, or your dog's in dystocia. It's walk-in, first come, first serve. And I see this meeting a a big need. And I also want to say from a staffing standpoint, urgent care visits are an elevation for your team. They're more likely to learn skills, um, experiences that they might not have in just the GP side of things. And I think your emergency clinics are desperately need somewhere to send the itchy ears so that they can handle the splenic tumor. <laughs> right, right. Good point. Well, you know, back in the day, certainly, you know, 20, 25 years ago, there was this uh, concept about using e-slots. And so like maybe once or twice in the morning or evening or afternoon appointments, you know, you would like leave these, reserve these spaces yeah. where a walk-in, right? A, an emergency call could come in. And I really never dug that a lot. What we did was, and I think what we're actually talking about today, Viewfinders, is an ele- elevation of, of the old concept. You we just had two team members that were kind of assigned as floaters, right? And by that, we meant you could float into regular appointments if we needed you, but you were also like on standby for those people who just showed up, which they do, uh, despite our efforts to train them to make an appointment, or for those calls with the urgent, the broken toenail or whatever, right? So we tried to reserve that, and I think it worked out fairly well. Now, we never at the time, had the demand that you have today. So we we couldn't have justified just saying, this is all you'll do. So we had to float back and forth. But if your data supports that you could actually say, this doctor and this vet tech are resigned to do these walk-in urgent care, then I think you should try it. So you made me think of something <coughs> important to, to that point is when I think about the clinic you're referring to, you are referring to a clinic that is a solid hour, either direction from an emergency clinic. Exactly, so, yep. And we're coastal, right? So yep. those, you know, the saltwater toxicities, the oyster beds, they're yep. all coming to us and, they, and we don't have a choice, right? That you, right? you get chopped up by a motorboat, we're going to have to do something. You know, everything's going to have to wait. <laughs> a lot of fish <laughs> hooks. <laughs> all the fish hooks, right? So that's a different story for us. And I, and I guess that's kind of what I'm thinking about is like, the other part about this is where are you, right? Like, so if you're a place that is like that an hour from the urgent care visits, or, or emergency clinics, you had better be thinking along these lines. You had better be finding a way to accommodate these because your patients aren't going to make it far enough, you know? And I'm seeing these emergency clinics not taking any more patients or shutting down or just not having enough staff to do what they need to do. And what we were able to lean into were not, you know? And, and for me, I don't know if this is clinics getting together and saying, okay, Monday nights, we're going to stay open until 9 you do it Tuesday, you do it Wednesday. Like, is there a collaboration that these clinics could work together to make sure these patients are taken care of in some way? Because um, especially in our situation, they're not going to get there in time. Yeah, that's a great point. I do want to go back, though, and revisit Becky's comment about using telemedicine, teletriage. And I think this is another way that you can ease some of the burden and crunch of, of these urgent care or perceived you know, emergencies, if you will. And I think that, you know, Becky, we're still vastly underutilizing that. Remember, we're not establishing a VCPR, at least for this conversation. We're talking about your client is calling you up and they're saying, oh my gosh, my dog kept me up all night licking its back, right? I mean, so it's, they're frustrated. They want to be seen. You maybe are just slammed or short-staffed or a combination of the two. And, uh, you, you know, you want to try to satisfy that. And and Becky, I mean, this is when you get a licensed credentialed vet tech on the phone. You get a veterinarian on the phone and you start to triage it. And, and by phone, I, I'm now actually saying, again, let's elevate that to a video conference. But Becky, yeah. talk about how you think they could maybe help leverage telephone medicine within their own client base to help ease some of this pressure. 
you know, I think when you were talking, it was making me think of like, well, we're technically already doing that, right? I'm already going to answer the phone. Mrs. Jones is going to explain every single in and out detail of what is going on. I'm going to tell her the four or five things that I need to rule out. um, And then I'm going to try to figure out how to get her seen. So like you're saying, can we elevate that one more? And, And we're talking to you about the dogs. It's like, oh, hey. Rufus has his annual hot spot, right? Like right. we know this dog gets the hot spot every year. We know it's just got to be clipped, clean, scrubbed, and get that spray on there. Um, I feel like in in it, it's a no brainer, and I'm so frustrated that we're resistant, and we may not know quite how to work it in. Um, but I guarantee you, this is where I think you know working in your teams because somebody on your team wants to do this. Somebody on your team is that people person, that educator. Um, is very technology driven. And I think this is a, like, I, like we're already doing it on the phone, trying yeah. to figure out what's going on. We can make this an appointment charge for it and clean it up. Right. And, and again, you know, back in the day, a lot of the resistance to this, so like we'd get those people that would call in and the dog has problematic ears or chronic hot spots or whatever, right? So, you know, these cases and these patients. And a lot of times, you know, veterinarians would tell me, well, Ernie, you know, I just can't refill the medication or do whatever. And, when they had capacity to accommodate those appointments, I completely agree, right? Yes. But if you're constrained by either your staff or just you know overwhelmed with demand, then you may need to, to rethink that strategy. You see where I'm going with this, Becky? I mean, I, I'm with you. It's kind of like we're throwing up this false barrier and it's just leading to incredible frustration with veterinary medicine. And, and as I've said for 25 years, we then force people to seek solutions elsewhere. And that means to an unlicensed, uncredentialed, self-proclaimed pet expert, right? Who says, hey, you know what? I've got this amazing new herb that'll cure your dog's hotspots. And then they take their 50 bucks. And then of course, nobody's happier, you know, and they're still mad with us. So I think we really do have to rethink, like, where do we sit in that, you know, refusal to to treat some chronic conditions? And again, I'm not, not, you know, I'm not advocating for you to break any kind of medical rules or regulations, but I'm saying, are we being helpful or are we being hurtful? Well, and it makes me also think what they're going to do is they're going to try these new online services, right? So they're going to say, oh, okay, great. Now I'm going to try, I don't know, I'm not going to name any of them or right, whatever, right. but I can't even think of any, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, oh, talk to the vet. Talk to a vet. Yeah. Great. Because like, I'm thinking like, okay, my pet insurance includes that. So I can call whatever phone number and talk to some veterinarian if I want to about my problem. Super. They're going to say, you need to go to the vet. <laughs> like, And then, then you're going to have a super frustrated client, right? Who tried the telehealth route and uh, got the advice, the tele-advice that, you know, oh, it sounds like your pet needs to be seen. Now you're going to call your veterinarian who says, oh, we can't see you. Oh, but but this tele-person said they need to be seen. Now am I going to translate this into an emergency? Now am I showing up at the emergency clinic with a hotspot? Am I going on social media and saying, my veterinarian wouldn't see me and I was told it needed to be seen? Like, you're pushing them into someone else's hands. Yep. And, and remember, too, that 1-800-PET-MEDS, everybody's favorite pharmacy out there, uh, just partnered with Vetster to offer a telemedicine service. And they are actually, you know, kind of pushing the boundary of that prescription relationship. So you really need to watch that closely because, like Becky said, they're going to go, okay, great, you can't help me. What can I do? Quickly Google, you know, and talk to a vet. And suddenly, you know, there's a lot of money behind these these groups like PetMeds and Petco and others, and they get a solution. And 
I don't know what that solution is going to be, right? It, but, but it sounds to me like, you know, they're going to start to figure out where those boundaries are from a legal and regulatory standpoint. Uh, and so again, you know, I'm with Becky on this one. It's like, okay, if you can't satisfy some of their needs, then they're likely to go somewhere else. It may be a good experience, maybe a bad experience. I don't know, but be aware there's an experience. Absolutely. And, and that's, I think, the scary part, right, is there's an experience and people like to talk about their experiences <laughs> and they will put them out there. And it is very helpless. I guess I guess what I'm I guess like coming full circle emotionally in this is like it is a very helpless feeling within the clinic to say, I have literally nowhere on my schedule to put you. I hear you need to be seen and I care about your pet and I want them seen, but I don't have a solution. You're, you're, the, the unfortunate part is the poo rolls downhill and our CSRs are yep. there and our techs are there and they desperate, our veterinarians are there. I don't mean to sound like they're not. Our policies are at the top of the hill and they're rolling poop down on everybody below it. Yep. And so if you're, if your policies are pooping on everyone below them, <laughs> then you got to look at them because it's, it's. I, I, again, and I hate to sound cheeseball, but I think that leads to the burnout. I think that leads to the frustration is just constantly saying no, or I can't help you, or I can't do this. And then meanwhile, going into an exam room and feeling like you can't help or what it's like all around you. Like we have to work smarter and not harder. And like, we're always begging the profession to get in front of things and to think creatively. And I think independently, we have these solutions, but we maybe don't know how to put them into practice. And I, and I think that's where you and I, have these conversations to say like what actionable things could we start doing to move forward to relieve some of this and then really why we have to do it. Like it's for us and our clients and then most importantly, the pets. Yeah. And, and another thing too, just the old tried and true of drop off your pet. <laughs> you know, I mean, like I was talking, I had got an email from a, a lady not too long ago and she was recounting her experience at her vet where she sat in the lobby, according to her, for nearly five hours to wait oh on a skin recheck, right? So this was for a skin issue, chronic issue. Uh, and, and again, you know, we've all been there and it's that time of year, at least in the Southeast. And yeah. so she was complaining about this. And the whole time when I'm reading this email, I'm like, why didn't you just drop it off? Why didn't you just drop it off? Why didn't you just drop it off, right? And my guess is, Becky, it wasn't offered. Now, you may be listening today and say, well, we don't have room to do all the drop-offs. Well, again, that's another area for you to critically evaluate, look at the data, and see what you can and cannot do. But I think that sometimes offering those old tried and true tactics will also work. And you know, Becky, I'm just still sort of amazed with, with it's almost like a punishment, you know, and I've talked about this exhaustively in my lectures over the year, and I know you have too, Becky. It's like, okay, so somebody walks in, so we're like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to punish you <laughs> for walking in. So you're yeah. going to sit your butt up in the lobby for two hours. It's like, why that? No, no, bad, bad, bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, well that, you know, yeah, that's, we have that shame culture. We have that going on and you're absolutely right. Like, well, they can wait, they can wait. They didn't have an appointment. People. Right. And that's okay. Like a lot of times they will. I know when I've had my dog sick and I, okay, I, I'll feel safer in your lobby anyway. I'll, I'll just sit there. That's fine. Cause I would do anything for my pet. But it, it, again, my argument is they're going to start requiring it. And, yeah. and I see these walk-in clinics have regular patients who say, well, like I just go to the walk-in clinic because I can go when I need to. And the doctor's really nice. And they're not stressed out because they know they're doing walk-ins all day. They're doing right. the best they can at the pace that they can. Right. 
seeing what they can see. Nothing can technically go wrong because there that's is what no they, That's what they signed up for. And that's getting right back to where we started, Viewfinders, and that is managing expectations, realigning our perspective on what we're seeing. The source of frustration is when we see the unexpected, right? And that is where we're saying, well, guess what? Just put two or three people and just say, this is what you're going to do all day. Again, if the demand is there, like I don't encourage every clinic to do this because many of you don't need to. But if you do see the demand and it is causing emotional you know, strife on your team, then this might be an approach to look at. I mean, Becky, again, there's all these things happening. And, and what, what really hit me most about that, that horrible email and this lady, you know, complaining about vets in general, it was the fact that at the end, her remark was they did the same thing that they did the year before. Right. So to her, it was like, why didn't you just do this over the phone or over telemedicine or something? Right. For her, she felt like she got the exact same thing that she always gets, quote unquote, but she had to wait nearly five hours in the lobby to get it. And I just don't think that's good for the long term sustainability of, of not only that practice and that relationship with that client, but for the profession at large. Oh, uh, absolutely. And, you know, again, I think this is just sort of we have innovators, we have folks who are willing um, and and want to work in that kind of space, right? Like that that is good for them. And then and I think this is a potential to avoid some of that burnout and to put people in positions they really like, right? There are a lot of I know a lot of technicians out there who love emergency work who just can't do the hours, who would be really excited to, to have some more um, variability in their day to day. Um, I think that this is profitability. I think we yeah. can make more money doing this. Yeah. I think we can keep our clients happier. Um, and however you do it, like it, 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 maybe our solutions aren't it. Maybe it's just like you said, a couple appointments in the morning, a couple in the afternoon. But the data is there. The numbers are there. Your customer service reps can tell you. Just take a just take a sticky note and tick every time you have to tell somebody that you see them that it's an urgent visit. Just get some numbers. And if you don't know what to do with them, go to somebody who loves it and pay them a very fair amount of money for them to help guide you in this direction. Because there is so much riding on it. And I think that's why we chose to talk about it, right? It's our patients, yeah. it's our staff, it's our teams, it's our professional reputation. As long as you've got vets out there telling people to dangle their cats to, to figure out their temperament, we may very well have emergencies to deal with. <laughs> That's a good Just point. saying. <laughs> well, viewfinders, what are you doing to innovate this sort of gap of, of care for urgent needs? I mean, so how are you managing the, the distance between an annual and an emergency, a full-on emergency? I'd love to hear your solutions out there. Again, we think this is a problem that needs our attention, and, and we'd love to hear some of your solutions. Yeah, let us know. Are you more on the recession side or are you more on the we need a whole entire <laughs> urgent care center built off of our hospital side? You know where to find us. You can reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder, on Twitter at Vet Viewfinder, and you can email and that's at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right, guys. Can't wait to hear what you are doing out there in the real world. Until next week, you guys stay safe. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Uh, 